Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast at UT Belfast. We hope you enjoy as you join with us on Sunday mornings and listen in as we seek to inspire our church and the people of our city to encounter Jesus and just love it with the biggest heart of compassion possible. We're going through a collection of talks at the moment called Joy in the Crazy Places. And, you know, our collective crazy place, it feels like it could be coming to an end. It feels like somewhere out there in the rear view mirror and off the future, we will all look back at this pandemic and declare its end. That would be great. But how do we find joy in the everyday, in the crazy places? Well, today I want to talk about joy in serving. I want you to get the image in your head of a towel. No, taking up a servant's towel, that picture of serving. Joy in serving. Serious, serious, Stephen. Joy in serving. Yeah, yeah. Joy in giving, pouring out, giving of yourself to a greater cause, the kingdom of God. We read in Philippians 2, verses 2 to 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have anything common sharing in a spirit, no, if you're struggling for something to give thanks for today, to stick in the comments as you engage online, be thankful for this. You are loved by God. We've got this unity in Christ. If any tenderness and compassion then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. This makes Paul joyful. There's a joy in this. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Now, in church life, we hear a lot of emphasis on take up your cross and follow me. And rightly, because that's the teaching of Jesus. And we know as we go through life, sometimes we experience the victory of the cross. Come on, God's doing stuff. We're seeing breakthrough. We're seeing miraculous God's overcoming in our lives. And then other times, it's more like the nails and the scars. But this morning, I want to encourage us to not just pick up our cross, but to take up our towel, to take up that, that emblem of a servant, not just the emblem of a disciple. See, in life, the reality is, and we know this, that what we aim for, well, we usually get. (laughs) Um, And in life, we can find ourselves really settling for a whole lot less than what God has for us. I guess some people settle for, well, an average life. And, well, an average life is, no, the A on your T-shirt doesn't stand for top of the class. It stands for, I accept average. No, life's good. Let's not rock the boat. Let's not, no, get too creative out there. Let's, let's just keep some sort of norm in place. Average life, well, that suits me. Other people aim for, well, the good life, which is above the average 
And for a lot of people, if you get to the good life where you get to live and do something that you enjoy, something that you're successful at, something that you can bring accomplishments through, something that you can look at and go, well, life is good. Now, the automatic thing in our mind is to go above good to great. But the reality is in the kingdom of God and in your soul, you know that what we crave for above just average life or good life or even great life is a meaningful life. We want our lives to matter. We want to know that, that this, this time frame that I have on this earth means something. It means more. Martin Luther King, he said, there are some things so dear, some things so precious, some things so eternally true that they are worth dying for. And I submit to you, that if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. Wow. <laughs> you see, a life with meaning is where we have found something of our belief, something to believe in and stand on that brings so much value that it's not just worth living for, it's worth dying for. It's worth pouring out our lives for. This week, I was looking for a story to illustrate that. And I came across this in my readings. And it was a story of a little girl, and you probably have never heard of her, called Hattie Mae Wyatt. You know, think Western. And this little girl, six years of age, she attended a Sunday school. And, well, there were so many kids wanting to get to the Sunday school that, that it's frightened her and her little six-year-old girlness. And she spoke to the minister and she said, no, I, I, can we not have something bigger and better? And, well, he, he said to her, no, someday we will have enough money to build a big enough building that all of the kids can come. Well, two years later, Sadly, in 1886, little Hattie May passed away. At Hattie's funeral, her mom passed on to the minister a little bag. A little bag that she had found underneath Hattie May's pillow. And inside that little bag was 57 cents and a little note. And the note read this, to help build bigger so that more children can go to Sunday school. Well, the minister was so touched by this that he took those 57 cents and he, he, he turned them into pennies and he sold the pennies. The pennies were sold for $250 and then the $250 were turned into pennies and then they were sold and eventually the Hattie May Society was formed and 26 years later, that same minister stood on a platform to tell the story of the 57 cents. And he said, out of that 57 cents, we stand here today and we have a church of 5,600 people. Out of that 57 cents, we stand here today and we've been able to send 80,000 students into university. Out of that 57 cents, we stand here today and we've built a hospital that has helped and healed tens of thousands of people. Out of that 57 cents, 2,000 people have been released and sent out to preach the gospel. 
out of that 57 cents. And there's something about that story of Hattie Mae that reflects in our lives because we want our 57 cents, what we have, what God has put in us to outlive us, to live longer than we ever will live, to make a greater difference that could ever be possible without the blessing and without the anointing in the hand of God. We want to live that meaningful life. You see, when we're called to serve, we're called to bring our 57 cents. Not literally. We bring what we have, not what we hope to have, not who, who we had hoped to be like. We just bring us. And we trust that God, in his kingdom, will disproportionately multiply our ability and our talent and do something that will outlive us. That's a life of meaning. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, and I've quoted this scripture in every talk in this series, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In Mark 10, 45, we read these words. For even the Son of Man, speaking of Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. And in Luke twenty-two twenty-seven, we read these words, for who is greater? The one who is able, or the one who is at the table, sorry, or the one who serves? And then the answer is given, it is the one who serves at the table. And we think that, no, you go to a wedding reception and you think, well, the guys at the top table, they matter more than the guys running around with a, you know, the tray serving the drinks or serving the meals. Jesus said, I I am among you, not at the top table, but I am among you as the one who serves. Before we go any further today, I aim high in the kingdom of God. No, want to make a difference. Go for it with everything you have, but know this, that the highest place that you and I can ever achieve in the kingdom of God is the place of a servant. There is nowhere higher. There is nothing greater than to serve. Aim high. No, aim high in life, in relationship, in career, in business. Aim high in education. Aim high in every aspect of your life, but never get too big that you cannot roll up your sleeves, go to your knees, get into the dirt and the decay, and serve. There's a joy in serving. And we serve with a humility. Now in John 13, um, verses four and five, we read the story of the Last Supper where Jesus takes a towel and he takes a basin and a jug of water and he washes the feet of his disciples. At this moment, no less than 24 hours, Jesus is gonna die on a cross. And (laughs) you think to yourself, well, Jesus has a moment and he knows the moment better than anyone. He could capture it in such a way. So what would he say to these disciples? Would he give them his best three leadership points? Would he give them seven keys to a successful kingdom living life? Instead, he chose an illustration, a parable. And we read these words, he got up from the meal He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet 
drying them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. And then verses 14 and 15, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, we read, you should wash one another's feet. That's something to get you going on a Sunday morning as you drink your tea and eat your cornflakes. Wash each other's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Last week, we put online an interview with Jill and Aaron Boyd. And um, Jill, if you haven't caught in there, get into that, watch in. So good, so good. But during this, uh, we discover that Jill is a dental hygienist and, well, Aaron at one point calls her a gum gardener. Now, I want you to hear that for a moment, a gum gardener. Now, think about getting into the weeds of the teeth. And honestly, when I heard this, although I looked professional at the time, inside I was, you know, wretch and bulk. It was awful. But I want you to think of this, because there's one thing worse than hooking around in someone's mouth hooking around at someone's feet. Feet are like the most vilest things ever. Now you may think you're a foot model out there, but your feet are disgusting. Now what we see here is Jesus heads towards the feet, the filth. And there's a myth going around that as followers of Christ, we should pursue the things that we love, enjoy, all of those things. And of course, there's wisdom in that. Don't do something you can't do. Don't do something you're not good at. Do the things that you're passionate about. But it should never be a pursuit of comfort. Because if we only ever do what we're comfortable at, who will clean the feet? Who will get into the dirt and the decay and bring out the kingdom beauty? Well, Jesus said, I'm going to do this and I expect you to do that. I expect you to go. Now, when I read this, there's something here that will play in my mind. And, and I want to ask you this morning, as I ask myself, when I serve, what, what's the motivation in my heart? Is it, do I want to be, well, identified? No, look at him. Yeah, he serves God. He, he's so good. Or, or is it more about an identity? I love God. I am a child of God. I am a servant of the kingdom. I, I have chosen in my freedom to pour out my life on behalf of others. And, and in that, my motivation is not to be recognized. It's to make Jesus known. You see, if we serve to be seen, then what happens is we lead people to ourselves. But, but if we serve that Jesus can be seen, then what happens is we lead people to Jesus. And when we lead people to Jesus, then it's in that moment they get so much more than we could ever bring them. There's a battle goes on for glory. Who's going to get the glory? Is God going to get the glory or am I going to get the glory? Am I going to steal a little bit for myself? Jesus, this picture. And let's imagine, okay, so Jesus, he takes off his outer garment and he puts on a towel and he takes on the position of a servant. Most of the time this was done by a servant girl and in biblical times they'll that was seen as even lower. 
And he starts to wash the feet of his disciples. Jesus, the rabbi. Jesus, the teacher. In biblical times and in Jewish custom, what would have happened is the rabbi would have got his students um, and they would have washed his feet. Now, the rabbi didn't want people to think that they were just ordinary slaves or servants. He wanted people to know that these are my students and they're washing my feet. In other words, the more students I have around me, the greater rabbi I am. And so when they got stripped down to the tile, what they would have happened is they would have wrapped this little tefillin, which is like a little box with, on the front of their forehead and leather around, wrapped around their head containing the law and the scriptures. They would have wrapped it around their arm seven times and all of this thing. But, but what would have been very clear is that these aren't slaves, they are students. And therefore, if they are students on their knees washing the feet of this man, then he must be the rabbi. But Jesus, Jesus just had a towel. Go with me on this. If I asked you, okay, I'm standing out in the street and I say, you know, Jesus is in there. You wouldn't mind giving Jesus a message. And well, you've never heard of, you've, sorry, you've never seen Jesus, you've heard of him. Now you've heard about all the miracles, you've heard about the great teaching, you've heard that he is the Messiah, you've, you've heard these rumours, you've heard so much. And all I say to you is this, could you um, go into that room and give Jesus a message for me? And you're like, well, how will I know who Jesus is? And you're like, oh, you'll know who Jesus is. And so you walk into the room and you look around. Now, I would think if I looked around, I would probably be looking, maybe going, well, Peter, he looks like, oh, he looks strong. Maybe he's the leader. I might look at Luke and think, well, he looks intelligent, so maybe, maybe that's Jesus. I could look at Judas, and because Judas, I reckon, looked a little bit squirmy and no, some Christian leaders I know can look a little bit squirmy. Uh, and maybe, well, that's him there. And, and this is what I would do without a shadow of a doubt. I would have walked straight towards Jesus, assuming he was a servant. And I would have said to Jesus, excuse me, could you tell me who Jesus is? There would never have been anything in me would have thought that the man on his knees with the towel around his waist was actually the Messiah, the saviour of the world, the son of God sent to take away the sins of humanity. There is nothing in me would have thought the guy with the towel around his waist was him. See, Jesus was never about being seen for what he did for the Father. He was all about working from his identity and his security as a son and the son, the only begotten son of the Father. See, why do we serve? Do we serve to be seen, to get the applause, to get the claps, to get the, come on, that's brilliant? Or do we serve so that Jesus is seen? The second thing and the last thing that I'd like to say about serving is that we would serve with compassion. <laughs> I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I want to break down this word compassion for us in a, for a few moments. Hang in. And the first time that we read this word that's translated from Hebrew into English, 
is in Deuteronomy 13, 17. And any time that a word is introduced for the first time in scripture, we should take extra notice of it. It should be like, well, why is that there? And these are the words. Then the Lord will turn from his fierce anger, will show you mercy and will have compassion on you. He will increase your numbers as he has promised on oath to your ancestors. This is the first moment we understand that a characteristic or the characteristic of God is compassion. He's compassionate. Now, what does it mean? So hang in here. Compassion, this word is made up of three Hebrew letters. And each letter is a picture. And so we start with the two outside letters. Let's see them as like bookends, okay? So we have resh here, which means like the prince of darkness, uh, the prince who is all about destruction and deception. So that's resh. On this side, we have the word mem. And mem means floodwaters. Now, but don't think like a flood comes over a desert and whoa, look at all these green things that grow and fruit and, and, it, and it turns it all around. No, think destruction. So resh, mem, mem is floodwaters that destroys, that brings chaos, that erodes, that takes away. Now, what has that got to do with compassion? Well, to understand compassion, you have to understand the little word in the middle that intervenes, that breaks in. And it's this word, chet, C-H-E-T. And it means a place of refuge. It means a place of safety and security. And what the picture here is this, is that God comes into the chaos, into the decay, into the brokenness, and he creates this place where we can live safe. Reish mem, and reish mem, that word means deceiver. And, and into that deception, comes God. We see it on the cross, don't we, where Jesus is surrounded by a thief on one side and a murderer on the other side. He's surrounded by decay and into that the cross comes, the chet into that comes God's compassion where he pours out everything so that you and I in the middle of the chaos in the middle of the decay and the sorrow, in the middle of the darkness, we can find someone that we can run into and find a place and a person who said to us, if you're thirsty, if you're heavy burdened, will you come to me for rest? Now, why does this matter when it comes to serving? Because you and I got to know that we don't just serve like anybody else can serve. It's not a case of someone's hungry and, well, anyone can give them a sandwich. Anyone can give them a meal. It's not a case of someone is, has got no education. Well, some, anyone can educate them. Or it's not a case of wherever there's injustice, anyone can bring justice. No, you got to know 
that when you and I, as the church of Jesus Christ, step in to serve with compassion, we are not just bringing food, we are bringing the kingdom of God. We're not just bringing possibilities, we're bringing the miraculous. We're not just walking in with a little bit of hope. We are the hope, we have the hope. His name is Jesus Christ. And when we come with compassion, we're not just saying we can alleviate a moment. We are saying we know someone who can actually elevate your life into a new creation, into transformation. He can change everything. See, when I ask you to serve today, I'm not asking you to turn up and do. I'm not asking you to sign up for a program and, well, I can maybe help out. No. See, to serve is to get to a place where I am so determined, so filled with belief, so aware that the greatest life that I can ever live with meaning is a life that is poured out for Jesus. And when I walk into the decay, when I walk towards the dirty feet of this world, when I walk into the darkness and injustice, when I show up, I am not alone. I don't just come with what I have in my hands. I bring my 57 cents and I ask God to breathe his anointing, his kingdom power and take that little bit of yeast and make it grow. So there's joy in serving. (laughs) See, Jesus' joy in serving was not, I'm gonna go, well, towards the cross. (laughs) I'm gonna go halfway there. (laughs) He was gonna pour out everything. That was the joy. And he knew if he did what only he could do, then every person watching here, every person listening, every person in our city, every person in the nations of this world could have this little chat. (laughs) Could have someone they could come to in their weariness, in their craziness, and find joy and find rest. Guys are going to come and Help me in the, in the worship as we come to a close. And I, I want you to imagine with me for a moment. I want you to imagine you walking in to the rash and the mem, to the chaos, to the decay, to the walking into the places where the prince of this world has blinded, made people believe that this is it, average, good, maybe great. I want you to imagine that you get to, and we get to, as church, think about it in every city, think about Belfast, think about if every follower of Jesus Christ woke up today and went, I'm just gonna pour everything I have, into the middle place. I'm going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be filled with faith. 
I'm going to get out of the way and let God be seen. I, if somebody needs a sandwich, I'm turning up with a sandwich, but I know that they need more than a sandwich and I can give them the savior of the world. No, somebody's got no bed for the night and maybe you can help them out. Well, <laughs> there is a home and a family that they can belong to. For that person who's not down and out, but up and out, and they've got everything but yet empty. Well, you can introduce them to the person who doesn't have a little wealth, but has all the wealth. <laughs> I want you to imagine. Will you come with me? Imagine your feet. that have been cleaned by Jesus. New shoes have been fitted, the gospel of peace. You can stand. Well, when everything's blown around you, when the world's just blown against you, you, you can stand. Not in your strength, in the good news strength. And you've got a choice. You've got so many steps today. You've got so many steps tomorrow. What would it look like if we pursued meaning? That at the end of all of this, think about it. At the end of all of this, how you lived, how you loved, and how you served keeps on living. I, I put it like this, it's, it's those people at your funeral, isn't it? Uh, and that your family have never met and maybe you've never met and, and they start to tell the stories. I remember when, you know, and, and turned up and uh, that, that time when oh, they, they just called and they prayed and that time when they, they give and I knew they didn't have it to give. That, that time when oh, they put that arm around me and said nothing and, and, and just, I just knew God was with me because he was with them. And, and that time your family are like, what, what, when did that happen? No, I didn't know that, didn't know this. And because you didn't live your life for other people to see what you were doing for Jesus. You did it for him. And then it's that moment where you go into the presence of Jesus and she's like, yeah, come on, Stephen, come on. Well done. Come on, let, come on let's, let's clap him, let's applaud him here. Come on, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on, come on, come on. That's the place we live for. Where we don't get the applause of people. We get the applause of God. Father, may we pour out our 57 cents May we do it for your glory.
Jesus' name. Hi everyone, thanks for listening in on our Sunday podcasts. Check us out on our Facebook, Instagram at UT Belfast.